You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Paint heels, cheek stick scars, glory, last forever. Hello everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you watched growing up, the ones you're nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively without the rose-colored glasses. Let you know, are these movies any good, or are you just nostalgic? This week we watched 2000's sports comedy, The Replacements. The Replacements, yeah. Zach. The Replacements, uh, kind of vengeance for Stuart Little. At least I thought it would be vengeance for Stuart Little. You'd never even seen this movie, right? That's true. I uh, had only caught bits and pieces of this at the gym. Seems like I've seen the same three or four scenes maybe 20 times at the gym, because again, some network loves this movie out there, but never front to back. So this was the first time. Had to get it off Voodoo, and it was like $2 more to just own the copy. So I was like, you know what? I'll put my trust in Zach thinking this is probably a movie I'll want to revisit for the rest of my life. Oh. Threw down four ninety nine for this sucker to own in my digital library. And Zach, I got to say... Thanks, man. You know what? This is, this is, I'll take it as vengeance for me having to buy the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie for substantially more than $4.99, by the way. Ugh, yeah. So, you know what? I don't even feel bad for uh, you. Well, but again, this is your choice. So, tell me about your history with this movie. Was this something you, you grew up with? Yeah. I remember, I think. I saw it, honestly, for the first time on TNT because, again, TNT loves this fucking movie or maybe USA, one of those like weird networks that's not really a network, but it is kind of a network. I remember really liking it at the time because, you know, there were only so many football movies that I enjoyed that weren't, you know, stupid. I mean, they're the, I think everybody thinks of like, any given Sunday, like that is an overtly crazy football movie. My favorite football movie ever is Friday Night Lights. Yeah, and that wouldn't be till 2004. Yeah, and I feel like this one kind of found that middle ground of like, it wasn't too intense, but it still very much captured what it was like to be a football fan at the time because there are some crazy fucking hits in this movie. It's not overly complicated. I feel like it was made for a very specific audience and they found it with this movie. And I happened to be that at the time. This had all the ingredients of a movie that I should have liked back in the day because I was a big Keanu fan, much more now. We talked last episode when we introduced this movie that, you know, your perception may change where you actually have much more of an appreciation of Keanu Reeves now than you did back in 2000, right? Correct. I And I think it was because of movies like The Replacements didn't really take him that seriously as an actor, obviously, like Bill and Ted. I've never I never thought he was like really that good growing up and I feel like I I feel differently about that now I feel he's he was underappreciated a little bit and now I think he's you know for what he does he's a pretty good actor for you know action movies and speaking roles where he he, you know he's got a few lines (laughs) yeah I'm I'm a big Keanu fan now you know much more so in the wake of John Wick and the movies that have kind of followed where they try to play into his strengths of being either a silent guy or he does have that charm that charisma and he plays it up in movies like this this is also the same year I think he played in that movie The Watcher where he's like a a serial killer if I remember correctly I don't know know, man (laughs) little scene thriller 
Miller, not a good movie, but this is, I think, the year before he went back to sports with Hardball, a movie that's very near and dear to my sure. heart. <laughs> of course. Well, The Replacements was directed by Howard Deutsch, quite the prolific filmmaker. He began his directing career in 1986 with Pretty in Pink, actually. Yep. Followed that up with Some Kind of Wonderful. Then he did The Great Outdoors, which I'm a big fan of. John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, love that mm. movie. Article 99, Getting Even with Dad. Then he did a string of sequels to comedies that he didn't direct. So he did Grumpier Old Men. He did The Odd Couple 2. Oh. And then he did The Whole Ten Yards. Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, his unfortunately most recent film was 2008's Dane Cook, Jason Biggs comedy, My Best Friend's Girl. Yeah. Yikes. Done a whole lot of TV since then. Sure. The replacements has a 6.6 on IMDb and a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. Cost 50 million to make and earned 44 million in the States and 50 million worldwide, but has found kind of a a cult status or at least been profitable on, you know, DVD sales and syndication. Syndication. That's what saved it, buddy. It finished 57th on the domestic box office chart for that year. In terms of movies we've actually covered on the podcast in 2000, it earned less than How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Dinosaur, Chicken Run, The Emperor's New Groove, Scream 3, Final Destination, and The Road to El Dorado. But it outgrossed Reindeer Games and Titan AE. (laughs) Oh, thank God. (laughs) Yep, yep. And just so you know, some great movies that audiences chose to ignore that year. Movies that not only The Replacements out-earned, but Dude, Where's My Car, Little Nicky, and Dracula 2000 out-earned, okay? These are movies that failed. Almost Famous, uh, Snatch, High Fidelity, American Psycho, and uh, Requiem for a Dream. Dude, Where's My Car made $45 million in the States. (laughs) Requiem for a Dream, three. (laughs) There's no justice in this world. There's no justice in this world. I love America. And uh, the film opened actually number three in its opening weekend in North America behind Space Cowboys and Hollow Man, which was on its second consecutive week at the top spot. What a time to be alive. Do you remember fucking Space Cowboys? (laughs) Stay tuned, am I right? Ew, Ew, dude. Oh, the movie that even looked so boring, my dad was like, I don't want to see that. (laughs) Didn't NSYNC do like a song for marketing for them? It went on their album. I'm going to look it up. Oh, my God. If, if they did, that would go full circle with Justin Timberlake starring in that baseball movie with Clint Eastwood, Trouble with the Curve. Did you ever see yes, that one? I have seen Trouble with the Curve. Not a fan. <laughs> um, oh, 2000s, NSYNC, Space Cowboys. No shit. No shit. Get me that band, NSYNC. <laughs> Wow, that's gross. I have to look it up to see. I mean, we're going so far off of <laughs> off of topic right now. I mean, what, I mean, what else are we going to talk about the replacements? <laughs> I don't think so, man. I'd rather deep dive into Space Cowboys. <laughs> I want to see what else is on that soundtrack, yeah. The movie, this movie, loosely based on the 1987 NFL strike, specifically the Washington Redskins, who won all three replacement games without any of their regular players, went on to win that Super Bowl at the end of the season. So were you aware of that story, or was this something that was mm-hmm. like a pipe dream for you? Um, no, I knew that it had ha- Obviously, 87 was a little bit before my time, but I knew that there was a strike in 87. Yeah. Um, and then obviously this movie came up 
uh, kind of more relevant. I think it was around 2011 they were threatening another strike in the NFL, and it was not out of the realm of possibility that they were going to do the exact same thing that they do in this movie, which was, okay, the players' union is striking. We're going to bring in replacement players and they're usually you know undrafted guys semi-professional guys indoor league guys that sort of stuff at least that would be my assumption what i found interesting about this movie growing up and watching it again is that it's not out of the realm of possibility i think so many sports movies we see are so fucking far-fetched and ridiculous a little kid playing for the cubs you know what i mean like that kind of stuff this is a real thing i mean obviously it happened in 87 it's possible it could happen again if you know there's a weird collective bargaining disagreement so it's weird that it's kind of a grounded sports movie in terms of what's actually going on in it so keanu reeves i don't know if you caught this zach you know the wise serpent-eyed viewer you are Mm -hmm. he plays a quarterback from ohio state Another movie that came out in 1991 in which he plays a former quarterback from Ohio State. Uh, a little character named Johnny Utah from Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friend, is a stay tuned. I think, although it's kind of widely regarded as a certifiable classic, but who that tickled me. I was like, wow, is this, is is this the same sequel? character? What's going on here? No, he's got a cool, he's got an even cooler name. I mean, those two names, those two names. You got Johnny Utah, Ohio State quarterback shane falco (laughs) shane falco it sounds like a fucking superhero dude you know it's crazy i i'm definitely gonna mess it up at some point in this podcast i'm gonna call him joe flacco a real nfl quarterback that's a real person's name joe flacco yeah that's right i've never heard that name wow used to used to quarterback the uh the baltimore ravens for a while almost won mvp damn actually didn't i don't know damn he used to quarterback the Ravens for a while. <laughs> I'm not fact-checking. Uh, I'm not even fact-checking it, dude. <laughs> uh, the film is set in Washington, D.C., but was filmed in and around Baltimore, Maryland, which is why they used the uh, Ravens Stadium for much of the footage. And this is actually, sadly, the last performance of Jack Warden, you know, classic film actor from 12 Angry Men and a number of other movies. Huh, but that's really all I've got on The Replacements, man. Not much a... Uh, behind the scenes stuff so if, unless there's anything else you wanted to chat about maybe i mean no not really i think i i remember this was one of the early movies that i bonded uh with my father over i think because it he loved this was like this is a movie for like his wheelhouse i think oh you know this is I mean? a dad movie through and through <laughs> it is a dad movie for sure yeah the only things that that's missing is like a, like spike tv commercials interspliced throughout the Oh, I'm sure this aired on Spike. Fuck yeah. And it was hosted by like Keanu Reeves and the cast. Didn't get one energy drink pitched at me during this movie, though, and I'm a little upset. (laughs) Yeah, what a missed opportunity. Uh, What's not a missed opportunity, Zach? This fucking soundtrack. We begin the movie with a little lit. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm sitting up straight. Yeah, I knew once the music started that Brandon was in. You know what I mean? He's roped in. (laughs) Like, oh, fuck, over the Warner Brothers logo? Here we go. <laughs> Introduced to our hero, Shane Falco, who, who appears to be scraping barnacles off some yuppie yachts. But he also lives on the boat, right? He has a yeah, boat, he's house, got a houseboat. He's, he's got a little houseboat. This, I mean, he's a pirate. <laughs> There's no other way of going. Can we talk about, though, in this scene, so he's scraping barnacles off, and we have this underwater camera. 
and he looks down and he sees his All-American trophy <laughs> down at the bottom. So what he does is he takes out his breathing apparatus. Why'd he do that to go down further? Did you notice that? He takes out his oxygen. He takes out his oxygen. I think it's because maybe we need to know that he's, you know, giving play calls. You know what I mean? I, okay, but nah, I don't buy it. Because he runs a whole play underneath the ocean. That's right. He does. <laughs> like he calls passing out. passing the trophy ball. It's so weird, man. It's such a bizarre way to like, we could have found other ways to let us know that this guy's a quarterback. Like, why is this all American trophy down at the bottom? He's got a houseboat. Just show us the houseboat with the trophy in it. I'm assuming like maybe it's to imply maybe he got drunk one night and was so angry that he just threw it off the side. But I mean, come on, there's nothing to suggest that or he's one of those reluctant bad football players who's like, you know, the game passed me by and I'm not looking back. Oh, yeah, but he's not a bad football player because I think this whole imaginary play underwater is proving he's still fucking got it because he sends that thing soaring underwater. Who knows how much that thing weighs? It's a silver fucking trophy ball anyway. Brandon, it's one of the it's a it's a one thing to have all the skills here, and I'm pointing to the arm to listeners of the podcast because there's no one watching. It's different to have skill here than to have skill here, Brandon, and I'm yeah. pointing at my heart. <laughs> Cut to the Washington Sentinels game, and of course, fictional team, and which I believe is a fictional football league, because I don't think they ever mention NFL, right? Do they? They don't say it. Nope. You never okay. hear the words NFL. It's always referred to as the league, but every, yeah. uh, obviously every team is fictional for licen- licensing purposes. Although, I will give this Washington football team credit for having a significantly less racist name. <laughs> that's right that's right and there's an impending player strike with the remainder of the season still needing to be finished uh all of the players you know the current players who are striking seem like they're all chody bitchy millionaires in this universe you know they just want more money to play that doesn't seem like athletes it, to me you Zach. know what's weird brandon is that this movie takes the side of the league and like management and ownership that that's not how it works in real life. No one's ever sat there and complained that the like, oh, I can't believe the players aren't getting another million dollars. No, it's always I can't believe these billionaires don't want to give up a couple million dollars. So kind of weird that this movie decides to take that route as like the players are the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, no football movie has hated football players <laughs> more than this movie. No, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> So the team's owner, you know, Edward O'Neill, this is Jack Warden, like we said, his final film film performance, he calls up former coach Jimmy McGinty, played by the incomparable Gene Hackman. We haven't seen him uh, last since he was in ant form, I believe. And I got to tell you, Brandon, (laughs) shouting at termites, I think he's going to barely show up for this movie. (laughs) From a goof. You know, he retired in, I think it was 2004, his last film performance from what I remember, is Welcome to Mooseport with Ray Romano. Uh, (laughs) And I believe he went out just because, you know, he had an entire resume of of tremendous films. He just didn't want to litter it with a bunch of shitboxes. But towards the end of his career, he started to be a little less uh, discriminatory against the the scripts he chose, yeah. I mean, he got close to retirement age, and he's like, I need money. I like money. I want some more of it. Yeah, I'll take this. It's if it's a fifty million dollar budget, yeah. he's he's definitely getting at least ten, fifteen million at that time because he's Gene fucking Hackman, and you need a strong coach 
in any movie like this. So I'm glad he, he at least foots that bill. So know? let's get the coach from Hoosiers. Yeah, this movie knows what it's fucking doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So he tells him, he tells Jimmy that the league intends on completing the season with replacement players. And he wants him to coach. McGinty accepts on the condition that he can do it his way. You know, he gets the players he wants. And lucky for us, the audience, he's already got a fucking roster, you know, of, uh, you know, good old boys prime for picking. I was going to say, <laughs> and now we get to meet the good old boys montage. Oh, your favorite. Yep. Every sports movie needs this. This really reminded me of the Armageddon recruitment sequence, you know, <laughs> that little montage. Because, you know, look at this cast. We've got John Favreau, who's playing Daniel Bateman who's a SWAT officer, a former walk-on player, I guess, at Michigan State, a Purple Heart recipient, mm -hmm. but he tends to go berserk, especially if he sees the color red. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so fucking stupid. What a wacky little character trait, man. <laughs> it's so, so many of these guys have wacky character traits. Everybody's got to have at least one wacky character trait, except for Keanu Reeves, who it turns out is just shitty and in good situations. <laughs> There's Clifford Franklin, played by Orlando Jones, 2000s All-Star, but he's the fastest damn legs Jimmy's ever seen, and he's currently a stock boy at a mini-mart who's introduced chasing after a thief who stole a Twinkie, but you know what? He can't, he can't catch, Zach. He can't catch to save his life. Oh my God, there's so many positions in football where they could use him where he doesn't have to catch, but we're going to make him a wide receiver. No, dude, he's a real Butterfingers. Oh boy, there's the Jackson brothers. That's played by Faison Love and Michael Talaferro. They're former offensive guards turned bodyguards for a rapper, I guess, when introduced here. They suck at playing football unless they're on the same team. Okay. Like, yeah, okay. Then we've got Reese... Iffens, I always fuck up this guy's name. Rice Iffens, I don't know. Reese, I think it's Reese, playing Nigel Gruff, a Welsh football player, also a pub owner, nicknamed The Leg, because he can kick a football the entire length of a football field and still score. But he's got a hell of a gambling addiction, man. Ah. Oh my God, the freaking cartoonish mobsters in this. Bookies, tracky <laughs> mobsters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, our leader, Shane Falco. Footsteps Falco, he used to go by back at Ohio State. Uh, hasn't played in years. We cut to Falco, who's passed out on his little boat here. McGinty wants him to quarterback. But Falco's apparently retired. He hasn't played since he choked in the 1996 Sugar Bowl, which they mention every other season. Sev, oh my God. You can, if you forget which bowl <laughs> game this was, like... <laughs> You're just not watching the movie. You're not paying attention. They mentioned the fucking yeah. Sugar Bowl so many goddamn times. They will not let Keanu Reeves know, forget that he fucked up the Sugar Bowl. But he's apprehensive at first, doesn't agree. But we cut to the replacement players who are being greeted to their first practice with eggs being thrown at their bus by the actual players. They're calling them scabs and, you know, shouting obscenities. There's a news press conference there in which they're trying to, you know, get this whole thing shut down. They're... The, the, the actual players, the striking players, super pissed. Jimmy is running plays with his team on the field. One of the guys introduced here, David Denman, who is, you know, in his actual film debut. Freaking Roy from The Office. <laughs> Roy, what are you doing in there, I dude? I can't wait to freaking listen to Roy do lines in this movie. Oh, guess what, Brandon? He's fucking deaf. He's deaf. He's a deaf tight end. Brian Murphy. And uh, I'm all for this. This is, a, I guess, a cool character. Uh, however, I just don't understand. There's no attempt to explain how 
any of the plays are explained to him that no one no one chooses to learn sign language there's nothing about whistles or like anything on the field or during the game that signals him he's just forgotten about until we need him when we fucking need him it's not even explained that he like reads lips or anything and he must because no one bothers to learn sign language Michael Jace is Earl Wilkinson, a.k.a. Ray Smith, who's a former star cornerback and kick returner, but is serving a prison sentence, I guess for assaulting a police officer of some kind, allowed to play with the permission of the governor. Thank you. They've also got Jumbo mm-hmm. Famico, a Japanese sumo wrestler turned offensive tackle. And he likes to eat oh, his The egg. fucking scene where he's eating the eggs made me want to throw up. I can't, Ew, dude, cool and Luke with this guy? Gross. I can't watch people eating on screen, let alone shoving pickled eggs into their fucking mouth two at a time. Oh. <laughs> with these all-stars, you know, getting their bearings, lots of tough guy banter, the question remains, where the fuck is Falco? Where's our quarterback? He's late, but he doesn't want any trouble from the actual players out in the parking lot. He's got big beef, in particular with pro quarterback Eddie Martell, played by Brett Cullen. In what world is this guy a star quarterback? Dude. He's like fucking Tom Brady's dad. He's, he looks terrible. <laughs> he looks so bad. He looks like a pharmacist or something, like an old-timey pharmacist. This guy played, uh, I think, Bruce Wayne in the Joker movie recently. Like That's where I've seen oh, him really? most recently. Punching Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Oh, my God. He looks like a knockoff Roger Dorn in this movie, too. Oh, wait, no, it's not Bruce Wayne. Who's this, Who's Bruce Wayne's father's name? I don't Why can't know. I think of his dad's I name? I don't know that much about comic. You're oh, going to get us fuck, fucking dude. put on blast on Reddit. Oh, fuck, Reddit's going to yeah, fucking exactly, kill dude. us. Fuck, dude. Batman's dad's name. Jerry. <laughs> I was like, I got, uh, dude, if I don't find this out, it's going to fucking You're kill gonna me. You're going to fucking we're gonna oh lose all God, our listeners. Dude. They're gonna Thomas f- Wayne. It's Thomas oh Wayne. Just let it be known before I before I finished entering it into Google. Reddit's I gonna fucking it was Thomas Wayne. Reddit's gonna crucify <sighs> us. Let's set the record straight. This all is right. the last episode of Nostalgia <laughs> Be Damned because fucking Brandon couldn't remember Thomas Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah, this this guy's just a it's just a weird weird casting decision to not you know hire some beefcake to play this pro quarterback. I get you're trying to, to sell the fact that he's an aging quarterback similar to Dennis Quaid in, in any given Sunday. I get what they're trying to go for, but it's just this guy doesn't come across yeah. as a, neither does Reese Fonz as the fucking, you know, the the kicker here. <laughs> and there's even like mention of him like oh, you know, you said he was all muscle. This guy's what does he call him again? Wiry? Wiry. He's wiry. Yeah, there's a long joke, a running joke oh, about yeah. how to Gene, say wiry. Gene Hackman keeps trying wiry. Wiry. Yeah. And like, yeah, this let's keep throwing let's keep. I feel like they had this. to pay him after each scene. Yeah, it, it wasn't a thing like you give me all of the money up front. It was a after each scene and, and done <laughs> done for the day, they'd like give him his check <laughs> or his cash. Actually he got it in cash, let's be <laughs> honest. He is not nearly he must have been getting a fucking solid amount of money because he's not nearly like as angry in this movie as he is in something like say Hoosiers Hoosiers he had like a bit of a brooding to well not even really I mean he was a super nice guy but like you could see him turn around and like scream I don't I think he does that like one time in this movie where he yells at somebody well he doesn't honestly have much of a a character in this movie other than you know he's he's the grizzled old coach but unlike most of these movies where the coach is like seeking redemption for having a, a, a history of of shitty teams and things like that it seems like he's kind of well revered but is just coming out of retirement to do this right yeah well 
I guess he did have like an instance where he got in a row with the star quarterback at his last team, so he got fired there. Oh, that's um, right. Yes, of so course. He's, yes, yes, yes. But he is, but he is like a well-regarded coach. Like it's not like by anything's like a long shot coach. He's you know he knows what he's doing. Sure, I guess so. Yeah, his relationship with Keanu Reeves is is basically his uh, arc or where, what he has to overcome or or progress. Why are they even replacing the coach? I guess because he's also on strike. There's a lot of there's a lot of spotty information on who's on strike and who's not on strike. Like some of the cheerleaders or most of the cheerleaders apparently go on strike, but it's never explained or, or told explicitly. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. But anyway, Eddie Martell back there in the uh, the parking lot. Hey Falco, you're not even a has been. You're a never was. That's what he shouts. Oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, holy shit. He shouts that after the team flips his fucking truck over. They do this multiple times throughout the movie. <laughs> they just flip his fucking truck over. Keanu Reeves, you know, he walks away super cool. It's really tough to see him just be like that guy who's like, I understand. And like goes inside after I've seen three movies of him going on a fucking murder rampage because somebody offed his dog. <laughs> Dude, what blows my mind is this is 20 years ago and the guy looks the fucking same. He's just got a beard he now. He's just got a beard. It blew my mind. <laughs> yeah let's play football oh boy howdy yeah this this group this fucking rowdy ragtag group hooligans man i can say i'm quite appreciative that the plot seems to be moving here because 20 minutes in we've already got the team we've met the teammates like at least it's kind of getting to the point rather quickly as opposed to some of these sports movies where you know we're not actually getting to football games until halfway through the movie type deal right so you know at least it's moving along falco though he can't keep his head in the game, though. He's too distracted by the super sexy Annabelle Farrell, played by Brooke Langton. She's the head cheerleader of the Sentinels. She also owns a bar. That's how fucking cool she is, dude. Uh, this lady, whoo. And boy, howdy, does she know about fucking football. Oh, my <laughs> yes, God. She, she can does. talk your fucking ear off. Every man's dream, right, dude? Yeah, exactly. She pours you a beer. She chats about the game, brah. And she's drop-dead fucking gorgeous. She's a fucking cheerleader, bro. <laughs> She's a cheerleader who at one point says she makes $50 a game. And I don't know if that's because it's during a strike or if that's because that's just the terrible uh, living wages of a, of a fake league <laughs> cheerleader. I've actually met a couple NFL cheerleaders who have <laughs> that job sucks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is just like you do not really get paid. And like ugh, I can't get into like how fucking terrible it is to be an nfl that's a shame there should be a film on the inside world of that you know what i mean this is actually same year bring it on i wondered why this cheerleader plot was so because we need sports movies for chicks oh that's right yeah wait hang on a second are you saying that like guys will bring their girls to the theater to see this football movie if there are some parts for girls in it yes dude that's why they have to have a freaking love story you think freaking flacco's got her falco i told you i'd do it you think freaking falco's got freaking time to fucking slam poon no he's got he's playing football but we got to get something for the freaking chicks in there bro it'll mirror the training montage that the fellows are having if they also have their own training montage that's like girl-related dance sequences trying to get on this cheerleader team. Yes, dude, and let's make it funny. Let's make these chicks ugly, because we don't want these freaking hot chicks at the movie staring at other hot chicks. Let's make these girls weird. <laughs> yeah, but then we'll maybe bring in, like, some dancers, like some strippers or something. We don't want the freaking dudes in the audience falling asleep, so yeah, we gotta be... Uh, obviously, we gotta have freaking titties in our freaking movie, bro. And what are we gonna set this all... This whole montage here to... 
I'm thinking maybe Bust a Move, the song that was, I don't know, in every comedy for five fucking years in the late 90s, early 2000s. Bro, bro. Fuck yeah, bro. Bust it. Fuck uh, yeah, bro. This one's here for all the fellas. But let's make it a running gag after this and never really address it again because <laughs> fuck that. We don't want this becoming no fucking chick flick, bro. Wait, what accident did you turn into? What happened? What? Uh, what accent did you turn into? That got intense. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it just, it just got thicker and thicker, I think. Thicker, I, think. Getting, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just getting, I'm getting more Yeah, maybe it. less intelligible either way. Uh, where are we? <laughs> so, yeah, the cheerleading squad, though, they, for some reason, are also on strike. Or at least I assume so, because they begin recruiting dancers and strippers. Annabelle and Shane... They finally meet after practice. She offers him a lift because his fucking truck's still tipped over. And uh, she is an insane driver. This scene had me like, wait, what are they? I, I get what they're trying to say, I guess. Women can't fucking drive, dude. Chicks can't <laughs> fucking drive, bro. They but in this can't. movie, it's going to be at the level like danger to society deserves to be imprisoned <laughs> for the dangerous yeah, behavior behind the wheel. <sighs> Rough. What a she brings him comedy. <laughs> What a kooky love interest. Yeah, man. Uh, I think this is just to get all the fellas like, they're like, oh, shit, here comes the boring romantic part. Whether they're going to fall in love. Oh, wait, she's just, I'll throw in a fucking car chase here. <laughs> <laughs> or at least that's how it's shot. I do like how it's shot because it's interiors. The, all the dialogue's very fa fairly quiet, but it keeps you keep hearing everything around her, and she's fucking like whipping in and out of traffic, like weaving everywhere. It, it's pretty well shot. It's it's kind of a funny bit. It's just like God damn, like we get it. I I mean we get it. <laughs> she brings him back home yeah. to the harbor, his you know shanty home. He's clearly smitten, and who wouldn't be? She's the perfect girl. Who asks? He asks her out. Does he right here, or is it later on? No, he kind of does because he's like. Oh, that's right, because she says she, she says doesn't get with quarterbacks. Yeah, or she doesn't get with football players. That's right. That's right. Especially quarterbacks because they're babies, dude. Oh, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And the next day, Coach finds Falco contemplating on the field, you know, just staring out, nervous for their first game against Detroit. And as he's talking, they start to, like, throw the football back and forth. And I started thinking, like, those guys need to be in tuxedos four feet apart in an alley, you know what I mean, to really – That's, <laughs> right. that's yeah. what it reminded learn me of. How, learn <laughs> how to – Learn how to shoot a football movie. <laughs> so funny. Four feet away, like, let's play catch, Dad. I also don't uh, want to address to Brandon. I don't know. I think I texted you about it. I keep getting this weird sexual tension between <laughs> Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves in this movie. Like, they share so many just, like, quick smiles at, with each other. And just, like, knowing glances and, like, they, they're very touchy-feely. I don't know, man. Like, I think they. I think if we remade The Replacements, they'd just fuck. I definitely sent some some undertones there, some some you know extended glances uh, again. But I don't know if I would have picked up on that had you not told me. I I think it's supposed to be mutual respect. Like oh, we're just a couple of football guys, you know what I'm talking about. But it, to me, it, it seemed sexual. Well, you know, I mean, we read into it what we want to read into it, Zach. That's your own thing. But in the locker room. Before the game. Oh, I'm sorry. Why, yeah, try and blame me for wanting to see Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves have sex. Whatever. <laughs> Are you blame kidding me? Of course that. I want to see that. No, I'm not saying I didn't want to say that. That's not what I'm saying at all, brah. Gotcha. Okay. So, uh, But yeah, we get that dozen boiled eggs chewing scene here. This is where, yeah, that sumo wrestler guy's just munching eggs, munching eggs nonstop. Coach McGinty is giving, you know... I want to say a rousing Gene Hackman speech. It's the speech you'd picture him saying in most movies to, like, you know, 
inspire the team. But again, it's really lazily delivered. Or I won't say lazily, because again, it's Gene Hackman, so he's got a sort of gravitas just built into him. But he is kind of just sleeping through this right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, and this, I don't think the script really helps either. There's nothing really inspirational about this movie in general. I'll tell you what, having not seen this movie, there's one line from this that I knew and I'll tell you when it gets to that point, but there's just one line I knew from just people saying it. I've heard it quoted many times before. I knew it was from a football movie, but it wasn't until this watch that I was like, holy fuck, dude. Here I'm it is. I'm trying to think of what it is. Oh, yeah. We'll get to Stay that, tuned. But, you know, we finally get to see them in action. So they hit the field. The actual players appear to be tailgating the game. They're outside, like, listening in, <laughs> in the parking lot of the stadium. Uh, and John Favreau, he can't even get out of the fucking. Oh, they have like tripwire. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, it's because the it, it's because the 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 striking players have somehow engineered tripwire from the entrance of the of the players' entrance all the way to the parking lot, and they're like pulling it to make it tight. What's going on? What Looney Tune <laughs> shit is this? What a bunch of fucking pranksters, dude. But yeah, he yeah, John Favreau can't get out of the fucking tunnel before tackling into some cheerleaders because he's stripped. The players begin fighting about everything, including where they stand in the huddle. This was endlessly frustrating, this whole scene, this bickering between the two players. I think it's the sumo wrestler guy and, and Faison Love, but oh, uh, this they, isn't funny. This is just annoying. Haven't seen a single <laughs> lick of football yet. Just like, please get it over with. They can't agree on a play. They get delay of game. Falco fumbles the ball on the very first play. Bateman, that's John Favreau, is getting immediate, you know, personal fouls. The sumo wrestler guy keeps puking up all the eggs he just ate, which causes Orlando Jones, who's been watching, to start hurling as well. It's just a, an entire shit show. And then Roy from the office signs, I'm going to throw up too if we don't move. So they all get together <laughs> in a right, huddle yeah. and like shuffle off to the right. Move. What the fuck is yeah, going shuffle on? Shuffle to a different side of the field. And it's like the first moment in which they're like working together. And Gene Ackman's like, oh, maybe I got a team after all. No, you don't. <laughs> We've got negative 10 yards about to be 15 because they're about to have another delay game penalty because they're shifting to the right. And it's not a sports movie if you don't have Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. And I guess, you know, now most associated with, you know, Joaquin Phoenix dry humping his way down a staircase. But every time I hear this this song, I mean, you know what I mean? It's in every sports We left movie. that song in the dust in the early 2000s. How dare the Joker bring it back? Falco finally begins to rally the team. They even get a field goal, thanks to Nigel. Bateman, you know, beating up his own teammates in celebration because he's a fucking psychopath, but somehow also an FBI agent, I guess, uh, or SWAT officer, rather. The cheerleaders also having a hard time even spelling the cheers on the sidelines because, hey, women, they can't spell words. <laughs> what we forgot to mention was that the hot girls, they're freaking strippers, okay? So they don't got no fucking education, Brandon. So they got a fucking, they can't spell shit. Are you fucking kidding me, bro? Next note, let's go. I'm picturing this as like... <laughs> We're done with the scene. <laughs> yeah, hearing from executives about notes. We've read through the script and we have a couple of notes. Fucking hit me, bro. <laughs> Let me fucking know, Kimosabe. Oh, boy. But just picture how American and rousing the imagery of Gene Hackman running down the sidelines in front of his players shouting, Go! You can do it! As he fucking taking care of business plays in the background. And then you'll understand, Zach, the primal pleasures this uh, film has to offer. I was feeling it at this point. I was like, ooh, okay, man, this is so cheesy and like, you know, like played out. But at this point, I guess in time in 2000, it might not have been. So even, you know, it's just the it, simple joys of a football film. 
Exactly. It is very middle of the road sports movie yes. in terms of like it looks good. I've seen football movies that do not look this well shot. Every all the stunts that they're doing look authentic. It looks like real football. It, genuinely surprising they do it does look good i wouldn't say necessarily that he develops any sort of style it's not like oliver stone doing or or peter berg with uh, friday night lights it's it's very you know simple cookie cutter but it does look well photographed honestly they they do a lot of shots that look like they're shooting it out of a broadcast booth oh yeah sure yep yep like it's an actual game plan yeah yeah by the way gene hackman is wearing a full fucking suit and fedora uh, like he's fucking vince lombardi <laughs> yeah he's got swamp ass like no tomorrow every other coach i wanted to see every other coach in this movie they're all wearing like normal what we would consider now normal coach attire where it's all like sweatshirts and and polos and shit like that gene hackman of course i bet they wanted to like put him in a polo and gene hackman's like no i'm gonna look like vince lombardi <laughs> yeah i want a fucking corncob pipe to walk out on the field with yeah i'm gonna wear my suit from hoosiers <laughs> But on the last play of this game, Falco panics. When he sees a pending blitz, he calls an audible, which falls short of the winning touchdown. And McGinty, he's not fucking happy about this. He tells him, winners always want the ball when the game's on the line. Yeah. He hands the freaking ball off like a freaking loser. And and you know what, Brandon? What it goes back to, and I've been thinking about this, is back when he lost the freaking uh, Sugar Bowl. Oh, wait. What year was that anyway, Zach? I think it was like 96. <laughs> Uh, but Falco still has a fan in Annabelle who watches him with longing eyes, dude. The amount of times, take a drink every single time she gives him fuck me eyes and you'll be dead by the time the credits roll. Combine that with every time that Gene Hackman gives him fuck me eyes, you're blasted by the end of this movie. <laughs> oh, and you combine that with how many times they mentioned the Sugar Bowl of 1996, dude. <laughs> Yeah, dude, you need a fucking emergency ride. Oh my God. The players convene at the local bar to drown their sorrows. That's where the striking players start taunting them, led, of course, by cool guy Eddie Martell, who punches Falco, but too bad Martell's wearing a red shirt, which causes Bateman to lose his shit like an actual bull, and an all-out fucking bar fight starts. And this is when this movie really start to escalate a little bit, and not because of the bar fighting scene, but because of what happens immediately after that where they're all sitting in jail and they start doing like the electric slide to um, I Will Survive. That's right. Clifford, Orlando Jones, he starts singing it. And because, uh, again, he tried playing it at the bar earlier and they told him to stop. So there's just an all out, yeah, dance, like choreographed electric slide dance in which all of them are singing. I imagine that this is all very confusing for the deaf fellow who's in there being chased by some of the players <laughs> to just start chanting at him. This is the first time, though, that they're all in formation. They're forming a real team. And it's witnessed by McGinty, who bails them out. They're like <sighs> the freaking 85 Bears, the Super Bowl Shuffle Bears. The next day, Annabelle visits Falco. She tells him the whole town's heard about the bar fight. And they're actually like, favors starting to swing a little bit towards them. Maybe they're starting to get some fans. She also thinks he's the first quarterback she's seen that's so selfless. Yeah, and honestly, fuck these highfalutin fans 
uh, professional football players and their millions of freaking dollars. That's what the fans say. Yeah, give me a fucking blue-collar barnacle scrubber any day of the week, bro. You know what? Because I bet that was sort of a sentiment back when this movie came out. Like, oh, these athletes don't need another million dollars. Now the sentiment is, hey, these guys are, like, dying from concussions. We should probably pay them a lot more money. This is where she this is oh this is where she mentions that she makes fifty dollars a game. Yeah, again. I don't know if that's because of the strike or or something else. But the next day, Falco arrives at practice to find the striking players once again trying to flip his truck. But now he's got the respect of his teammates. So the Jackson brothers, they force them to flip it back upright after shooting several holes into Martel's Porsche. We get a scene in which the players then discuss their fear their fears. Uh, the joke of which a lot of them are just afraid of spiders. There's so many <laughs> scenes in this movie that are, I get it supposed to be like comic relief, but just go on for like way too long. Like this, like this fucking spider scene where the whole locker room speech is them yeah. talking about like, well, I'm scared of spiders. And then finally, like Keanu Reeves gives this impassioned speech about it's about not thinking you're going to be good enough. Or something like, and then it goes back to spiders or something like. I don't fucking know, man. Yes, Falco. He opens up about his fear of quicksand, Zach, relating it to being in over your head on the field, and this blows everyone's fucking gourd, dude. This is a game changer, because it works. The next game against San Diego uh, finds them kicking ass, thanks to the other players being distracted, also by the cheerleaders' sexy routines. They're basically almost doing stripper routines without taking mm-hmm. any clothes off, but all the other players are just staring at them. I, rem- I remember when this movie came out, that was like a big thing, like, oh, the cheerleaders, oh my god, it's so funny. Was it funny today? No. For $50 a game, was it funny today, Zach? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what answer I wanted out of you. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> oh, you just boy, made me but... feel bad that they're making $50 a game. <laughs> it's such a sad life if that's the truth. No, come on. Get out of here. Even for 2000 I mean. Anyway, Nigel, he scores them a 65-yard field goal for the win. And like I mentioned earlier, public opinion begins to turn toward the replacements. 65 yards, by the way. He, like, fucking nails it. It's, like, two yards shy of the NFL record. Yeah, easy peasy, dude. He's Nigel. He's Welsh. But fans are saying they're having the most fun they've ever had watching fucking football, dude. Falco visits Annabelle's bar, and they share a deep kiss. Set to some sting, I think. It's every move you make. Whatever. The police, rather. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, I'll be, wa- I'll be watching. And you. take another shot here because she's giving him crazy fuck me eyes before he leaves. There is, there's just that little second of them staring at each other for a full minute of just zoom ins and stares before they finally kiss. Oh my God, this was the most fucking drawn out kiss ever. It took so long. <laughs> like, well, I wanted to fast forward through it. It was getting bad. By the way, quick correction, uh, 64 yards is the NFL record. So he essentially kicked a fucking amazing record kick wow so yeah 65 so he beat it wow so he beat the record so yeah (laughs) and we don't even mention it let's fucking fucking have a scene where the fucking kicker breaks the nfl record next note (laughs) we don't even fucking bring it up so this next game franklin gets some super glue or some shit put on his hands so he'll stop something crazy illegal Crazy illegal. Even Tom Brady would be like, nah, dude. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't like Tom Brady. Um, 
you know what? Now that he's gone, the, left the Patriots, I, I don't know how, how fond of Brady I am anymore. Ooh. Hot take. Bills. Anyway, this is a freaking sports podcast now. <laughs> but he scores, dude. He can't let go of the ball. No though. one's wearing gloves. What fun. Yeah, I know. No one's wearing gloves. I did notice that. So stupid. And the ref thinks of nothing yeah, of it when uh, he has to literally yank the, or peel the ball off. His did hands. they make a jizz joke? Did I miss that? He said something about like jacking no, off an elephant. I don't think they did. Did I make man. that up in my head? Oh wait, no. I think he did say something about that. Now that I think, now that you said it out loud, maybe okay. you did make it up in your head, dude. You're gross. <laughs> it's possible. <honestly. laughs> oh boy, but they get yeah a couple of lucky breaks end up winning the game. Oh, I did. I was gonna say I don't know if we mentioned it that like in all of their wins so far, uh, Falco has almost fucked it up at the end. Yeah, it's it's dumb luck that they've made it this far, to be honest. And when the Sentinels return to D.C., O'Neill, the owner, he tells McGinty that Eddie Martell has crossed the picket line. Points out that the entire team of the league's defending champions, I guess, their next game, or their next opponent, rather, Dallas, have crossed as well. So McGinty is pretty disappointed that he has to let Falco go. Does he, though? Because I feel like he could just stay on as a backup quarterback. I don't know why he's, like, off, off the team. Yeah, he's straight up off the team. Maybe that was, uh, you know, Martell's request. The union is still striking. I have no fucking idea. Yeah, I don't understand how this guy's allowed to break it. One entire team's allowed to break it, but it seems like everyone else is is sticking to their guns. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, it's it's a strike, so, like, you're going to have scabs, and you're going to have people who cross the picket line, and he just happens to be one of them. Sure. Yeah, McGinty certainly doesn't want to let him go, but... He does. Martell gives him this half-hearted, bitchy apology, even then tells Falco that Annabelle deserves better on his way out. Like, whoa, dude. Way to fucking rub salt in the wounds, man. Yeah, what the oh, fuck? Why, yeah, exactly. why is it's this even, coming into I don't even place. know that they met each other. <laughs> I don't know if they have either. And at one point during the game, he gives her fuck-me eyes. Like, have you been hitting on her? What's going on? Like is he on a is he on a quest to fucking steal his girlfriend? To, I have no fucking idea what's going on, man. This movie's getting a little messy. Falco heads to the bar to you know tell the boys what happened. He lets them know that Martel will be taking over the team. Super bummed. They toast him. Everyone says goodbye, and he even stands up Annabelle like a dick. He doesn't. He can't face her. You know what I mean? Knowing what's happened for some reason, I, dude. That'd be the first place I'm going. Yeah, I'm really depressed. Make me smile, please. Yeah, what the... He's so weird, man. Why are you so bummed out that your football career is over? It was going to be four games anyway, and your trophy's at the bottom of the lake. (laughs) Yeah, dude. You just throw this other trophy out anyway, man, or whatever ring you got. You don't care, Falco. You don't fucking care. But he doesn't show up to the game. He is watching it from his houseboat TV there. And in the first half of this very crucial final game, Martell... He can't get his shit together. He's clashing with the replacement players. He's also ignoring all the fucking play calls that McGinty's making, causing the Sentinels to fall behind Dallas. He plays like Brady did in his last season with New England. Ooh, fucking sting. Wow. We'll be right back with Brandon and Zach's Sports Podcast. (laughs) Their fans are even booing Martell. Uh, they're not happy with him. The Sentinels are taking a beating. And this is when some sort of, yeah, mobsters or bookies begin watching Nigel in the stands. They're motioning like they plan on, like, beating the shit out of him like an old school like, 1940s gangster. It's fucking hysterical. <laughs> and it's not supposed to be funny, which is why I think it's funny. But on the way to the locker room for halftime, 
you know, they're down. It's like 17 to nothing or something like that. McGinty, he tells a TV reporter, the team needs heart to come back and win. Even like motioning, pointing to it, heart! Something he said Falco had earlier. If you're a smart viewer and you are paying attention, Zach. See, we, we reward the viewers who pay the fuck attention in our smartly, well-weaved oh screenplay. This is not all a titties and football movie. <laughs> it's got art. It's like Rudy. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, boy. So Martell and McGinty, they start fighting, bickering in the locker room. But Falco, luckily, he's been watching. And thankfully, there's fucking zero traffic on the roads because he is able to not only watch them go to halftime, but get to the stadium and like suit up before halftime ends. I've been to D.C. There's no fucking way you're getting to that stadium that quickly. <laughs> it doesn't matter what time of night it is, what day it is. You're not getting to D.C. that quickly. So the whole team turns on Martell, tells him, you know, get the fuck out of here. And then Martell on his way out, Falco, all you'll be is a replacement player. And Falco says, yeah, I can live with that. And actually, like you come to think of it, like these guys, these blue collar guys who are just working, this is a dream that they get to play four games for. This, in my opinion, is like the best part of the movie in which it's like, as cheesy as it sounds, it like sums up like what it's all about. Like, yeah, they, but they got to play for like fucking, you know, the National Football League, whatever this fake league is, the league, you know, in front of fans and got to live their dream for a bit. It is kind of a, it's a sweet sentiment that I really like here. It's something that this movie touches on, maybe not quite as much as it probably should because it kind of gets lost in a lot of the fucking stupid humor of it all. But it is a movie about, you know, for all these people who have ever played high school or college athletics and never got that chance to go pro because, you know, you sucked or whatever. Um, yeah, things. exactly. But it is it it is such like a soft spot for people who have played sports and have dreamed of going pro and only 1% of people ever do. Nice little wish fulfillment. And they all sell it. I like this moment. It's a pretty good part. So... Falco heads out on the field, and the fucking crowd goes wild. Oh, my God. He apologizes to Annabelle, though, on his way. He gives her a big, fat smooch in Doesn't front of Doesn't even everyone, apologize. Dude. Just, like, comes up and, like, kisses her, and she's, like, instantly forgives him. Kick-ass, Falco! Yeah, we don't want to fucking have him apologize, bro. <laughs> That'll give all the ladies in the audience ideas we don't want him having. I don't want to have to go home and fucking apologize to my girl, bro. <laughs> Next note. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. This is easy. Uh, where are we? So the Sentinels start giving it their all and working great as a team. They manage to score another touchdown after a very inspirational huddle in which Falco says the one line I knew from this movie, pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory lasts forever. <laughs> I, people said that at my high school, dude. People said that at my high school. I've really? heard that line many times before. I don't know why. Pain heals, chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. I thought maybe that was like taken from a classic film and they reused it or repurposed it for this movie, but it seems to be a replacement's original, my friend. <laughs> I mean, Chicks Dig Scars is something that I've said for a long, long yeah. time, but uh, the whole thing, huh? Yeah, dude. It's tattooed on my back. Did you want to see? Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling you out, Brandon. I'm no, calling wait, out hang on. No, 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 dude. You no, can't wait. Just lie. Hang on. You can't dude, lie no, no, to no, the no, nostalgia no. be damned listeners. Cut all this other stuff. You when I. I'm going to say, like, action. And then you just say, like, oh, dude, that's a badass tattoo of that saying. Ready? Okay, go. Ah, uh, dude, that's a badass tattoo. Dude, I told you, man. It was. It, I happened back home. It was a couple years ago, but I'm glad I have it, and it's, it'll always be a part of me. 
Uh, next part of the movie. Nigel recognizes the bookies in the audience and tells Falco just before kicking the game-tying field goal that they're going to take his pub if he doesn't throw the game. This is, again, all happening in seconds. There's, There hasn't been – there should be, like, scenes throughout this movie where Nigel keeps spotting these guys or maybe there's a meeting where they, like, break his – like, threaten to break his hand or something. These guys come out of fucking you see nowhere. Him, <laughs> you see him at the very beginning before you even, like, know who he is. <laughs> And that's it. And then, like, you just have to take it, you know, at face value that a bunch of Tony Soprano-looking motherfuckers are standing over there. They got that's got to be the mob. Well, I mean, whatever. Because uh, right before he kicks, Falco pulls the ball, causing Nigel to fall and break his arm, and he fucking goes for it. You know, Falco runs the ball in, right? Yeah, he scores, but it gets called back on a hold. He was holding, um, and it's the most accurate depiction of football I've ever seen. (laughs) We just saw one of the coolest parts of the movie, and it doesn't mean a fucking thing because some guy held on to his shirt for too long. I love football, man. Hot take. Hot take. We'll be right back with Brandon and Zach's sports podcast. So the kicker, like, thanks Falco. He's like, I broke my arm. You saved my ass back there. Well, no, not really. Like, just because, just because the game's not over, does it, like you're not off the hook for money, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All this means is like it's gonna be easier to beat you up. Like you've done nothing. The games, they're still gonna lose the game. I was gonna say they end up losing the bet anyway. So if anything, he's probably still fucked. Maybe more so. Now he's got a broken arm. Yeah, he's probably dead by the end of this movie. If we ever saw replacements too, he wouldn't be in it. You know what I mean? No, he's dead. Because he'd be too busy as the fucking lizard man from Amazing Spider-Man 2. Remember that, dude? He's No, explain the first one. He's the fucking, who's that lizard guy? You know who I'm talking about? Dude, this is another moment in the yeah. podcast where we bring up a comic yeah. book character I don't know the fucking <laughs> name of. I need to know these, I know. We got to Google it. Who does he play, dude? He's the villain oh, in Amazing my- Spider-Man. I'll edit all this out. Just like find it in there, okay? And then let us know what it is. And I'll, okay, I'll yeah. pretend that I knew it the whole time. Yeah, no problem. He plays Dr. Kirk Connors. Yeah, that's not, and no, why yeah, would you I not just tell me what the... character, though, name. No one's going to know who the fuck that is. Except for fucking nerds, dude, who need bashing. Yeah, I don't know why Google would assume... IMDb would just assume I want to know the name of the character. He's the, the lizard. Wait, that's it? That's his name? He's the lizard? Oh, the then lizard. I could have cut all of this yeah. out! <laughs> we should have known Spider-Man's... Spider-Man, Spider-Man's not that clever! <laughs> fucking lizard. Oh, boy. <sighs> Where were we again? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah, he's probably dead, yeah. Falco tells McGinty he wants the ball. Because guess what? Winners always do. Falco throws a Hail Mary to Brian Murphy, Def Roy, for the winning touchdown. And uh, again, another rousing sports moment. David Bowie's fucking Heroes kicks in, or I think it might be a cover. Either way, the crowd loses it. The players start celebrating. Annabelle's making out with Falco, as we all would. And uh, Gene Hackman delivers a pretty sweet VO about how these players... You thought it was sweet? I thought it was jarring. Like what he says, the substance of it, like these players left the field without endorsement deals. They needed a ride home. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Every athlete dreams of a second chance. These men lived it. I kind of like... Again, it's... We didn't have any voiceover (laughs) narrative. It's like introducing a new narrator. A new narrator. At the very end of the movie, for the last lines of the movie, they're like, by the way, here's a narrator. Yeah, I have a feeling that, you know, they shot whatever last scene Gene Ackman had done and, like, didn't have enough cash from the bank. Desperately had some PA try to run to an ATM, but he's like, I'm fucking walking. I'm not saying whatever the lines are, I'll, I'll fucking record them at my home. Get out. <laughs> I'll send you an audio file. Yeah. Now give me that script for Welcome to Mooseport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, thankfully, Stay we tuned. don't end there. We, we 
<laughs> we luckily get to pull out to our players, joyously dancing to I Will Survive once again. And that is The Replacements. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, Brandon. Uh, I mean, as, as someone who's never seen this before, I gotta say it, it kind of went down fairly smooth. Uh, it, it's a little overly long. This is two hours. It has no right to be. Really shouldn't be. But as a football sports comedy, it's it's. I've seen a lot worse. Honestly, I've seen a lot worse. But seen a lot better too. The the, the chemistry between the cast, I guess, is kind of there. Some of the characters, you know, quirkiness, I guess, is kind of fun. It's weird because I like a lot of these actors. I really like Orlando Jones. I really like Jon Favreau. But (laughs) their characters or what they're doing doesn't strike me as necessarily funny. They're not annoying, but I mean, Jon Favreau is at at times kind of annoying. This whole movie was kind of like uh, a a bland, run-of-the-mill sports comedy. I didn't necessarily feel nostalgic for the time or the place or the period because I think it was so steeped in the the football dramatics of it all because... I guess it's kind of timeless, you know what I mean, in that sense. I don't know. It's good to see Gene Hackman. There's so few movies, especially in his later career, that that you get to see, especially where he's playing a comedic role in a decent movie, like Welcome to Mooseport, shit. I loved him in movies like The Birdcage, but he's mostly known for these, you know, dramatic thrillers or dramas. Keanu Reeves, this role and roles like it really remind you why you didn't hold him in such high regard back in the day, you know what I mean? Like, these are the -the run-of-the-mill performances you saw from him, and it's like... Yeah, he's he's just a guy, like an everyman guy who's doesn't really offer all that much. He's got kind of a, a winning charisma in this movie, but it's, you know, it's nothing that extravagant. I don't know. This movie kind of just hit me right in the middle, which is why kind of I'm going to score this kind of right down the middle. Would it have like a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes? I'd say it's... It's right around there. I'm going to kind of bump it up because I think it's kind of just a two-star movie out of four stars. I think I'll smack it right down the middle with a 50. It's fine. There was nothing in it really all that offensive despite some there's some racial humor, I think, between some of the players that didn't hold up all that well. But And, and a lot of jokes about why women don't play the game, I noticed. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. You know, again, those cool script writers. <laughs> fine, well, it's true, bro. <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, the fact that they can't drive, I guess, as well. Maybe there are some questionable motives behind the screenplay here. But I think overall, it's a fine TNT watch. If you if you did grow up with it, I guess it might be worth a nostalgia watch. But I but go into it knowing that it doesn't necessarily feel all that 90s. There aren't a lot of like 90s sayings other than I guess their love for fucking I will survive, which was everywhere. And that kick and soundtrack, bruh. But as oh, football, as yeah. far as football movies go, it's right down the middle. You know, it's it's no... Remember the Titans. It's not the best 2000s football movie by far. Yeah, I agree with you for the most part. I think where, because you haven't seen it before, um, it it elevates for you a little bit. I think it deflates for me a little bit because I held this movie in much higher regard as I was younger, obviously, than I do today. Deflate gate. Deflate gate, like Tom Brady. This is a sports podcast, Red Zack. Um, <laughs> Did you have a stroke? What happened? <laughs> in in seriousness it you're right it's besides the actually inoffensive or offensive things that they say in this movie it is relatively inoffensive i still am impressed with how good the football actually looks i know i mentioned that earlier but the it looks like hard hitting a couple of moments where i actually winced a little bit just watching them play football and I think it's a movie that 
I think they understand football a little bit better than they understand filmmaking. You know what I mean? Sure. Which is, but it's, but honestly, for for me, it was kind of refreshing because mm-hmm. a lot of times they put that on the back burner for, to a lot of the other drama and character shit that you don't care of. These people, you can clearly know, were were are fans of football, and it had a good premise. It's got a good hook. It's just the rest of the story, you know. Eh. Yeah. I mean, they knew what their demographic was too. That's very obvious. It is full of sexy women stupid humor i can't believe did we get a single fucking fart in this movie no and i almost turned it off halfway through i guess <laughs> i guess because i realized you know what they haven't played to me yet yeah i mean we get throw up humor so that's close but not quite um it's <laughs> but you know what i mean it's very like it feels american without having ever seen a single fucking american flag in it it is very it's anti-worker <laughs> it's it's anti-women <laughs> i think it's got a pro blue collar work you know what i mean these are the heroes of the movie it, it seems pro- anti-nfl yeah, sure. player <laughs> it's anti yeah it's anti-millionaire for yeah, sure yeah, exactly, it, 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 that to me i still do find bizarre yeah i mean when you look past everything else it's a fine movie um it's again i feel a little let down i didn't feel as nostalgic watching it um keanu reeves again that's what I felt. It, it reminded me of a time back when I didn't like Keanu Reeves for a specific reason. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad that he has kind of found his niche later on in his career. It was fine. You're right. It has no right being two hours long. It, that could have been a cool 90 minutes and I would have been very satisfied. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to give it a 45. Um, I, I can't say that it's a 50. I wouldn't give it two stars out of four i'd give it one and a half so i mean i i'm gonna bring it down wow damn dude cold yeah i just i mean like yeah i wouldn't watch it again uh, like if i'm being honest i don't think yeah. i'll ever watch the replacements again i think it was nice to go back and see it um if you haven't seen it in a long time and you think you might like if you think you might like the replacements you probably will like the replacements well thankfully i can watch it anytime i want because it's now in my digital library in HD, That's right. Zach, in HD. Oh, thank God. Well, mine expired, so, you know. Oh, speaking of which, I haven't played this, but I looked into it. When I when I went to go hit play on the Voodoo copy, there was a little button that said family-friendly mode, and then I went to go highlight it. Apparently, on Voodoo's library, on certain films, films that get like played a lot, because, again, this movie's PG-13, it will go through and will fast-forward. It'll skip all instances of swearing and sexual innuendos and, and sexuality, drug use, violence. It'll just skip over that so, like, your parents don't have to do that or mute it anymore and kids can't see titties anymore if their families put on the family-friendly version of their voodoo Stop library. trying like, to ruin wow. movies. Let kids see titties. Let kids hear the fuck word. Did you hear in Splash on Disney Plus, they, like, extended Daryl Hannah's hair to go over her butt cheeks so the kids can't see... That beautiful, beautiful butt. <laughs> it's not American. It's censorship, and I'm not a fan. Uh, we're kind of sticking with the sports theme for next week's movie, but we're not going to get there yet. What uh, Do you have any recommendations, Zach, or anything you watched last week? Yeah, uh, last week I watched Solar Opposites, which is the new Justin Roiland uh, show oh, on yeah. Hulu. For people who don't know who Justin Roiland is, he is one of the two co-creators of Rick and Morty, i.e. the animator and the voice Um so I've always kind of been, because if you've, if you've ever seen Justin Roiland's work before he got 
famous, like some of his work online. He's fucking insane, man. He is fucking so crazy and unfiltered. He can just throw in some bizarre freaking humor. And I know one of Dan Harmon's roles on Rick and Morty is to kind of rein in Justin Roiland a little bit, um, which he does a very good job of. Um, but I knew Dan Harmon wasn't on this show, so I was very curious to see. It's pretty good. Um, it's it it is not as um, cohesive as Rick and Morty is. It is it it is way more simplified and goofy. But it's got some of that great Justin Roiland humor that people love in Rick and Morty. I think I watched the whole series in a day and a half because I went to bed before the last episode. <laughs> so I highly recommend it. Um, pretty good. That's all I got. Okay. Pretty dumb. Pretty dumb humor. Fun. Similar to Rick and Morty, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. Yeah, it's similar to Rick and Morty. It's not nearly as smart as Rick and Morty. Okay. Rick and Morty has moments where like they'll drop philosophy or they'll, you know, it's, it gets meta, how they make fun of people. And this one is much more stupid. I watched Ingrid Goes West, which is on Hulu at the time of recording. Dude, really entertaining movie. Aubrey Plaza did a great performance. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, really good cast in there, honestly. Just like a really dark comedy. I was expecting it to be maybe funnier than it was, but it's more more dramatic than I anticipated. But just a really good satire on social media and the people who are fucking obsessed with it and whatnot. I watched Christine, not the... Mm john carpenter car one which i've seen many times but the uh the 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 one about the reporter christine chubbuck who committed suicide on air rebecca hall portrayed her michael c hall's in it as one of the news anchors you know not one to make you feel good but it's just a really great portrayal of uh depression and and what it does to you and uh it's just it's honestly a shock that she didn't get nominated because i was looking up the performances that year and she definitely should have should have won the thing but anyway that was really good and the other new one I saw was a movie called The Skin I Live In, which was Pedro Almodovar, fucking Spanish language, dude. That's right. I read subtitles. Oof. Get you, like me, motherfucker. Do you know what happened in the movie? I didn't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't understand any of it, but no. Uh, really good. It was. It's like Antonio Banderas is fixing this uh, patient, this woman. He's like perfecting her skin in this weird like uh in his house in the middle of nowhere type deal and you're wondering like what the fuck is he doing and he's creating like skin that's basically uh invulnerable to pain and whatnot and then you find out like why over the it's just cra- it's a crazy old boy level like what the fuck is happening type movie very much enjoyed uh but then lastly i just want to mention i i watched i can't say that was the last new movie i didn't count this as a new movie because i hated it so much but i wanted to watch it Jack and Jill Dude is on Amazon Prime. You should have told me we could have watched it together. I finally did it. I took the Jack and Jill challenge, and I survived, dude. Came out the other side. <laughs> Al Pacino's Dunkachino song and rap, dude, is something to behold. Like, you have to see it. And that's okay, Zach, because don't you worry, this Friday, or actually maybe within the next day or two, David Spade's new movie, The Wrong Missy, comes out on Netflix. We got to watch it. We're going to be talking. Not You may tune in for next week's review on whatever <laughs> fucking movie we cover. Who gives a shit about that? What you need to come back for oh God, is our review of The man. Wrong Missy. Uh, but that's me, man. Oh, also rewatched The Animal with Rob Schneider after as stop. a hate watch. Um, I know. I, I can't we're, stop. We're dude. running long. Don't bring this stupid shit into this podcast. <laughs> Continue. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Next week, we are diving kind of as brandon said kind of back into the world of sports not really um 
but it's a movie that we've had requested. We both have been wanting to do it. We are watching 2002's Drumline. Drumline, Nick Cannon, Orlando Jones, a back-to-back Oof. Orlando Jones movies. Back-to-back. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's I'm I'm excited. I really loved this movie when it came out. Really big fan of Drumline, movie, movie I watched several times on DVD from Blockbuster or Movie Gallery, rather, and a movie I own right now on Blu-ray, but haven't had the chance to watch it or the reason to. Looking forward to finally watching this one in HD. Ooh, HD, high definition. Be sure to fucking blast that sound because this movie's about freaking drums. Drums, dude, yes. I might even watch its white companion, Whiplash. I just watched, <laughs> I just watched White Drumline like two days ago, actually. <laughs> fucking amazing movie great movie yeah great movie uh we'll have who, to compare who, freaking drum yes. movies <laughs> who's more chody miles teller and nick cannon miles teller don't even get wow it. wow orlando jones or jk simmons chody <laughs> yeah it's I hard mean, to say i guess you have to go jones because simmons would kill yeah, you yeah well i don't know simmons yeah i don't know let's let's talk about this he's fucking (laughs) jacked anyway (laughs) let's not get into that uh thank you everyone for listening to this episode if you want more of us you can check us out on our original site that's nbd.podbean.com if you want to send us a message you can also reach out to us at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com you can find this episode and every episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, like Brandon said, at nbd.podbean.com. Also on iTunes and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, that's it. <laughs> yes, please uh, like this, share with a friend, and above all else, please just write us a review on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you're subscribed or get this podcast. It uh, really helps out the show. Tell us how much we suck. Yeah, or not. You could say good things, but only if the, you mean them. You know what I mean? I don't want you lying on our behalf. Yes. But mid-quarantine, so we're still going to remind everyone, wash those hands. Be good people. Remember, pain heals, chicks dig scars, but Zach, glory lasts forever. Brandon doesn't have a back tattoo. <laughs> good.